0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is so great to be able to preach to a live crowd. I got to tell you, it is a strange thing, preaching to a camera that never gives me feedback. And so it's great to have some people here today. And we want to thank you so much for participating. Thank you, online viewers, for your regular tuning in each week. And uh, just for the patience that you've had for us, including this morning, I know the, my phone was blowing up this morning as I'm getting texts about the click tracks being on during worship. You heard that this morning. Uh, one, two, three, preach now. That, that type of thing, right? That, that's what was being heard, played in the background, and we'll have that all fixed for next week. We've just been trying to make adjustments each and every day as the government's been uh, giving us regulations and trying to advise us on what's best, and so thank you so much for your patience. I do want to wish all the fathers a happy day, uh, Happy Father's Day. Those who are here today, those who are online, I hope you have a fantastic day. There was a man who was on trial one day, uh, and he he was on trial for murder. And, and as he came into the courtroom to face the judge and the jury to begin the trial. He knows that one of the juror members was an individual who he had gone to school with many, many years prior, an individual who he was friends with. And and somehow this man got onto the jury through various covert maneuvers. He was able to get in contact with this, this juror member, his friend, and he bribed him a considerable amount of money asking him if he could sway the jury so that they would only give him manslaughter on this murder charge. And so the court proceedings took place. Everything was finished. And when the trial was over, the jury were sequestered and they began to debate it for a few days. And finally, after a few days, they had a unanimous decision. They came back and they said that they had made a decision. And the the chairman of the jury stood up and said, we have found the defendant guilty of manslaughter. The, 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 this man who had bribed the juror felt so relieved that he didn't get first degree or second degree murder, was put into jail. And, and a few weeks later, he, through various means, contacted his friend, the juror, who ended up showing up at the jail to have a little conversation with him. As they they had the conversation between the glass, the the, the murderer, the, the guy in jail, turned to him and said, man, that must have been a tough, 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 decision a a tough challenge for you to be able to sway the entire jury to convict me of manslaughter and the juror looked at him and said you have no idea all 11 of them want to acquit you the entire time perspective changes based upon the information that we have when we have a little bit of information we'll have one perspective but when we have more information we will have a totally different perspective I know this to be true as a father because there are so many moments in my life when I am trying to guide my kids, trying to nurture my kids, trying to help them out. And I tell them something that needs to be in their life and the response I get back from them is less than what I think I should get. It, their, their perspective on the situation is not the same as I have. And there are so many times where I will think this one line, and I'm sure that so many who are watching or who are in service today would say the same thing. They we, we say this line, if only they knew. If only they knew. If only they knew my perspective on this. If only they knew the big picture. If only they knew this. If only they knew this. They might not have the same response to me. I wonder at times what How many times God says that to me? How many times God looks down at me in the middle of a situation and I'm grumbling and I'm complaining and I'm frustrated with the things that he's doing and and his participation in my life and I'm wondering why he's responding he is. And I wonder if there are times where God says to me, if only Jeff knew. If only Jeff knew. I want to talk to you about this this theme of if only you knew. This idea that, that every father understands and probably every mother understands And I want to relate it from a fatherly perspective and how it relates to God. If only you knew. If only you knew. Just trying to get my slides ready. The the first thing I think that we we need to understand is I wish my kids knew that I see the big picture. I see the big picture. I I, I remember um, when my, my son Bailey was a teenager we, we lived in Coburg, and there weren't a lot of kids from the youth group that were his age. But there was this one girl from their youth group that he used to hang out with. And and, and so we, we had this kind of rule with our kids that they weren't allowed to date anybody in a romantic way until their last year of high school. Our belief was that, that our kids couldn't fulfill any of the romantic desires until later on in life, and we wanted to keep things as healthy as possible. And so we had this, this decision that they couldn't date. They could hang out with the opposite sex in groups, but not in any romantic way and so Bailey would hang out with this girl and, and they would spend time in, in groups at the youth ministry and there was a few times where he said hey hey, look she's, she's her parents are asking if I could come over for, for a bonfire or for whatever is that okay and we're like look we, we understand this is completely fine as long as there are other people but we just want to remind you that this is just a friendship that you that you can't cross the line into the romantic element and so Seemed to be healthy for a season. One day, my wife comes, walks by Bailey's phone and she sees a few texts back and forth. And friends, they were not the kind of fr- texts that I would send to Nick. They, 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 they were more on the, the romance side. They weren't like way overboard, but they were definitely a little bit more romantic and, and, and sweet nicknames for each other. And so we had to have a conversation with Bailey and we had to say, Look, look, you're not allowed to do this. We told you this. You're not allowed to have these ki- this kind of relationship with her. And I remember the, the conversation was so frustrating because, because he was angry with us, and he would say stuff like this. He'd say, but mom and dad, don't you understand every other teenager that's my age has a girlfriend, and you can trust me, and I love Jesus, and he gave me all the great lines. And we said, look, we understand, we do trust you, but the truth is, is that we understand also that Song of Solomon, uh, chapter eight, verse four, says that we are not to arouse or awaken love before it's due time. And we understand what it means to be a teenager. We understand the temptations that come along. And we know that if you start to express your romance right now, that that will just escalate and you may get yourself into a bad situation. We're trying to protect you. And, and, and we'd say, Bailey, do you understand? And he's like, no. And we're like, we, under, we, we get it. And I, I'd say this to him. I said, Bailey, do you think that mom and dad love you? Yeah, I think you do. And even though you can't see what we see, you need to just trust us. You need to just trust us. I, I, I think that there are times in our life that we... we understand what it means to guide somebody along because we have the big picture for their life in that moment in that season for bailey we ainsley and i had this this big picture perspective that we knew that things would not be healthy until he was later on in life and he needed to be protected in those those volatile years the same is true with god you see psalm chapter 140 uh, psalm 145 verse 7 says great is our lord and mighty in power His understanding has no limit. His understanding has no limit. Friends, I want you to know that what this scripture is speaking about is the omniscient God. We talked about it this week in our first cup. That God is the omniscient God. He sees everything. He knows everything. He is completely full of all knowledge. He knows things of the past. He knows things of the present. He knows things of the future. He knows all things at once. This is one of the most incredible things about God's character, is that God never gets new information. Your doctor may give you new information. Your your kids may give you new information. Your work may give you new information. But God is never surprised, going, Oh, wow, never saw that one coming. No, God never gets new information because he knows all things at once. And because he knows all things at once, that means that God has the big picture perspective for your life. And there are times as kids, as, as children of the Heavenly Father, that we begin to question what, why God is doing something. Why he's not stepping in. Why, why we are continue to be in somewhat of a lockdown. Why there's no vaccine for COVID-19. There are all kinds of questions. But the truth is this. Is that our heavenly father knows more than we know. He understands all things. And there are are times in our frustration. There are times in our dilemmas and in our questioning. That we go God I don't understand it. But what God is saying to us is if you only knew what I know. You see God sees the big picture. I want you to think about Joseph for a second. Joseph has this journey where he has a dream from God about what his future is going to look like. It's a a leadership role. It's a significant leadership role. In in fact, it's such a significant leadership role that that he sees himself being able to rule over his brothers and his family. And yet the next thing that happens is he gets thrown into a pit. That doesn't seem to fulfill the dream that God has for his life. And I wonder if in that moment when he's in the pit, when his brothers had tossed him down, about to sell him into slavery, if he start to go, God, what's going on? I thought you gave me a dream. And God's response is, if you only knew. If you only knew. I've got the big picture in mind. And then he, then he survives the pit, and, and, and he starts to help out in, in this, this high official Egyptian's home, Potiphar's home. And then he gets accused falsely of of, of sexual assault. And the next thing he knows, he's in a prison. And and in that moment, he must have said, God, where are you? Father, where are you? And God's like, if you only knew the big picture. I see the big picture. God knew that that the way to get him from his homeland into the leadership role would, would require a pit. It would require a prison. And eventually, he would get to the palace to be the second most powerful person in the entire land friends, God has the big picture in mind for our lives. Let me tell you this. When we can't see clearly, we need to trust the one with the greatest vantage point. You see, God has a vantage point that you don't. Your father has a vantage point that you don't. That that season with my, my oldest son, we, Ainsley and I, had a vantage point that he didn't. And in those moments where you can't understand what your father is doing you need to know that he has some information that you don't he sees from a different vantage point second thing i wish my kids would know is the discipline isn't for me the discipline is for me and if kids if you're watching kids here if you're watching let me just tell you this i know what it's like to be a kid there are moments when we get disciplined when our kids are disciplined or you're a, and when you're a kid you get disciplined and, and it's like our, the parent has a perk of parenting that they now get to enact discipline they they get to be the boss they get to pay retribution it's like this it's like my kid does something that just annoyed me to no end and i'm like all right you made my life miserable now it's my turn to make your life miserable he, you, you caused me some frustration, now I'm about to frustrate you. And there are moments when you're the kid where it feels like the father is actually disciplining for his own benefit. Where it's a payback moment. And you may be thinking, well, I, I don't really think that very often. I, I don't think that, that, God, that God is trying to pay back in, in the times of discipline. But the truth is, in John chapter 9, we read the story about this blind man. And the disciples come to Jesus and ask him a question that's very much like the questions we ask God. Who sinned? This man or his parents? And the essence of the question is what's in our hearts so often. When difficult times come in our life, we want to know, did the difficulty come because of our sin? Is this God's way of Paying us back for the wrongdoing. Is this God's way of paying us back, disciplining us because of us missing the mark? Is God trying to exercise something as a payback or retribution? Who sinned? This person or this person? Me? Is this why I'm going through this difficulty? God's just trying to pay me back because I didn't do this or I didn't do this. God's bringing some difficult situation into my life. Discipline is always initiated to produce long-term healthy behaviors long-term healthy behaviors let me give you a little insight into how ainsley and i have disciplined our kids over the years i think back to when my my boys were little and and they would they get into little scraps they're good friends now but they get into these little scraps and we would we would come into the basement and they'd been they'd be at each other and we'd say hey we need you guys to go up to your bedroom right away and, and they, they'd mope upstairs, and we, we, you stay up there, and you think about what you just did until we come up there, and we, we'd leave them up there for like half an hour. Then we'd walk into the room, and I'd walk in, and I'd say, what do you guys have to say for yourself? And without fail, this is what they'd say, I'm sorry. It was always an apology. And then I would ask this question, and what are you sorry for? And there would be this this blank look on their face. They didn't know why they were in trouble. They they might say, because we were wrestling. And and what should you have? But most often there would be this blank look on their face because they weren't quite sure all the dynamics of their trouble, uh, of what the discipline was. And then after they had admitted that they had done something wrong and we got very specific, I would do something like this. I'd say, okay, guys. You're grounded from TV for the next three days. Okay, guys, you need to stay in your room for the rest of the night. Okay, guys, you are grounded from this. And we would place a restriction on their life, a restriction on their life. This was discipline. Why were we doing this? Why did we have these grounding moments? Why didn't we just say, okay, you just apologize and everything's fine? Because if they just apologized and they would learn that that was the habit, the, the response that was required, and they would simply go back to the same behavior. We wanted them to have a season where they were restricted from something so that they could begin to think about how difficult being restricted was, and then they would have to think through why they were being restricted, and as they begin to think about why they were being restricted from, from the thing they wanted to do, they would have to reflect upon the bad behavior, and our goal was always always to try to get them to have healthy behavior. Friends, I, I want you to know that there will always be seasons in our life. Always be seasons of our life where God disciplines us. And there are moments in our life where we're just we're, we're feeling like God's doing this for his own sake. Like it's it's the divine justice system. It's an it's an eye for an eye. It's a tooth for a tooth. The father's getting us back for the bad things we're doing. But the truth is is that when God Is disciplining us. He's not doing it for our sakes. He's doing it so that he can develop long term habits within our life, long term things in our life, healthy components in our life. And so we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And what it tells us about our Father is this They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, and everybody says amen to that. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want you to pay attention to a key phrase here. They disciplined us for a little while. For. This word for is so simple, but it means for our good the discipline that god gives us is for our good it's for our advantage our advantage it's about changing our character and friends i want you to know that our heavenly father is not just this nice god who just blesses us and lets us do everything we want but he's also not a god who's who's out to be vindictive to try to punish us to 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 try to be retributive in our life he is trying to produce something he is trying to harvest righteousness he is trying to harvest peace he is trying to train us to become the people that god's called us to be for our advantage for our advantage and yet in those moments where things go wrong In those moments where things are difficult. In in those moments where we can feel the discipline of God. It can be so easy to feel like God's paying us back. But he's truly trying to produce character in us. Let me just say this. There are definitely moments in our life where we understand that God's trying to develop something. And, And there are moments, and I think with my kids... What they understood is if they were grounded for three days, one day in, they would come to the conclusion, oh, I know why I'm being disciplined. But sometimes the discipline seems a little longer than we'd like it. Anybody been there before? You, you feel the discipline of God and it just seems a little longer than we'd like? I, I'm of this conviction. that the, the length of our discipline is determined by how quickly we learn. It's by how quickly we learn. You see, sometimes we think that we've learned it, we've become cognizant of the fact that we've done something that we shouldn't have done, and God has allowed something to press us, to, 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 to push us in a certain way, because he's trying to develop character in our life, and we think, okay, God, I got it, I understand what you're doing, but the truth is, is we really haven't allowed it to touch our hearts, because the next opportunity, the next moment we have to do the same things that we did in the past, we jump on it, and God knows that. He's not, he's not interested in us just coming to a, a mental acknowledgement of the things that need to change our lives. He's looking for a change in our hearts, friends. And our father is not disciplining us for his good. He's disciplining us for our good. Every parent understands this. We do not discipline our children for our sake. There's no joy in disciplining a child. There's no joy in that. But the joy is when we can do something that is painful, something that that, that, that may seem painful to the kids, but produces something long-term that's super healthy in their lives. Something that's super healthy. I, I remember Ainsley and I, as we were raising our kids, there'd be times where we'd we'd talk to each other and we'd say, "Hey, are we being too tough on our kids? Uh, like, like, are, do we have too many expectations? Are are we are we are we are we disciplining them too much? Like, do, do we are we on top of our kids because we see other people who are who are pretty slack when it comes to discipline?" And then we'd leave our kids with somebody, and we'd we'd be away on a youth retreat or whatever, and we'd come back and and the. the people who are looking after our kids would say these words we're not saying this because it's the thing to say but we are blown away by how well your kids are behaved we're blown away by that and and the more I would hear that I'm not to not pat me on the back but the more I would hear that I'd go okay this this makes sense even though there are times I feel like not disciplining my kids as much it's producing something that we want in their lives we want other people to see the work of the discipline that has happened the truth is is that there are times that God disciplines because he's trying to get other people to see the work that's in our lives, not just the mental acknowledgement that he's disciplined us or that we've done something wrong. And so we need to know, I wish my kids knew that discipline isn't for me. The last thing I think is this. I wish my kids knew my love is incomprehensible. My love is incomprehensible. Today is Father's Day and, and about a week ago, Bailey, my oldest boy, he said to me, hey, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? Uh, I, I just drew a blank. I, I, I had no idea, and I, and I said, Bay, I, I'm not sure. And he's like, okay, think about it. I said, okay, I'll think about this week and let you know. A day later, his wife texts me, and she's like, Jeff, what, what do you want for Father's Day? And And I, and I just drew a blank. And then I thought for a few moments. I thought about all the things that I possibly they could possibly get me. And the truth is, is I didn't really desire any of those things. And I so I finally just said, the thing I really want is I just want to hang out with you guys. I just want to spend a day with my family. And every parent understands that. If you're a parent, just raise your hand. And even at home, you understand that. That the greatest gift you could ever have is to spend with your kids. It's greater than the new, the, the new clothing item. It's greater than the technology. It's greater than, than a, I love books. It's greater than books. To so spend time with your kids is the greatest joy that a, per, that a parent has. And I wish that my kids knew that my love for them is incomprehensible. I've had a few conversations about my love with my kids over the years. And it starts off like this. Hey, Brock, I want you to know that I love you. And he'll say, I know, Dad. And in my mind, I think, no, you don't. No, you don't fully understand how much I love you. No, no, you, no, Briar, you don't know how much I love you. You know I love you, but you don't know the depths of my love for you. No, Bailey, you don't know the depths of my love for you. You see, you have no idea what I would sacrifice for you. I would give up everything for my kids. I remember a season when I was in, uh, uh, the youth director and my kids were complaining about, about the fact that I was gone every weekend speaking on retreats and I, I just stopped and I said, let me tell you something, I'm willing to quit this job if that's what you want. They were shocked. I would sacrifice everything, everything I have for my kids. Do you know how much I love you? No you, have, no, no, you don't. You have no idea how often you're on my mind. How often I fall asleep praying for my kids or thinking about my kids. They have no idea the joy I get from spending time with them. How just a few moments sitting with them. How, how just a short conversation or going somewhere together. How much it means to me. They have no idea how I feel when they pursue me. Where they want to spend time with me. Where they choose not to be with their friends but choose to be with me. And they have no idea how their failures break my heart. Not because I'm disappointed but because I so want them to succeed. Because I I so dream about greatness in their life and I see the things that they have. They have no idea how much I love them. have no idea. If you're a parent, you get this. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19 tells us about our Heavenly Father's love for us. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's Paul say? He says, Church of Ephesus, I wish that you could, I wish that you could just grasp. Just, take, just, just get your hands, your, your hands on God's love. But it's, it's so wide. It's, it's so high. It's so deep. It's so long. It, I wish you could just grab hold of it, but it's just so enormous that I'm not even sure you could. Not even sure you could. And then, and then Paul says it surpasses knowledge. And this word knowledge means, this, this phrase means it exceeds my experience. Friends, listen to me every person in this place, every person online, you've experienced some level of the love of God. But the love that God has for you as your Father, it exceeds anything you've already experienced. I mean, you, you could have had the greatest encounter with God. You could have been weeping, overwhelmed with his love, caught a glimpse of how much he loves you. The cross, it could have brought some significant insights into your life. But what Paul is saying is that God's love for you surpasses the greatest experience that you even have. You have no idea the depths of his love. You have no idea the heights of his love. You have no idea the width of his love and the lengths of his love. God's love for you is so exceeding. In days when you may not talk to him, he's thinking about you. And every time you pursue him, he, he's delighted. His greatest joy is when you come into his presence. His love surpasses everything. Let me tell you something. In our good seasons, we believe this. We believe that God loves us in a way that makes no sense. But it's in our bad seasons that we question it. We, we, we really wonder whether or not God loves us when we fail, when we mess up. Because that's what my kids feel. That's what I felt when I was a kid. You see, there are times when, when I have to discipline my kids. And, and we will send them to bed, and, or, and obviously they're adults now, but, but when they were younger, that we would send them to their bed or to, to their room, and we, we, would, we would lay down the law, and they would leave and they'd be upset. We'd always give them a hug, tell them that we love them, and they would go to their room. But what they don't know, every time that we've ever disciplined them, I would lay in bed, and Ainsley would lay in bed, and we would think about what just took place, and we would be broken inside. We, we, we would be overwhelmed as they left our room with tears and, and maybe shame, but we would feel broken because we don't want the relationship to be tense. We don't want to have to discipline. We don't want this, this, this conflict to be in place. Our, and the greatest, the greatest challenge, the greatest heartbreaking element is in those moments our deep, deep love for our kids is not likely felt. All they can think about is our anger our frustration and as we'd lay there and all, knowing that they were in the next room we would recognize that they would be so upset thinking that mom and dad didn't love them but as we lay in bed our hearts would pound for them as we prayed for them as we thought about them our hearts would be overwhelmed for them and in those bad seasons in those difficult seasons in the moments where they that they did something that they shouldn't have in those moments they may not have felt our love but that's the thing They will never understand my incomprehensible love for them. Just like you'll never understand God's incomprehensible love for you. That that when you're at your worst, his heart still pounds for you. That when you mess up, his heart still pounds for you. That his love is so great that no matter where you are, his heart still pounds for you. You see, God's love is not situational. It remains consistent through our lives. Whether we do what's right or we do what's wrong, it always remains the same. If only my kids knew. There was a farmer who was out in his farm one day and a man came up to the door, knocked on the door and said, Sir, I just want to ask you a question. How much is your prized cow worth? The man paused for a second, smiled, and he says, Well, that all depends. Are you the tax collector or are you somebody who's just hit my prize cow with your car? You see, who the person was was going to determine the answer because if it was somebody who just hit his car, that cow would be worth a lot of money. But if it was the tax collector, that cow would be worth very little. It all depends on the information that you have. You see, information determines our perspective. And there are so many times where we get frustrated or we have a perspective of God that's there because we're missing some information. And God is standing here today saying, if you only knew. If you only knew. If you, you only knew that I love you immensely. If you only knew that the discipline is not for me. If you only knew that I see the big picture, then you would understand my perspective. I'm going to invite our, our congregation to to stand, and those of you who are at home, I'm going to encourage you just to gather your kids around you. I want to take a moment to pray for our fathers today. We honor our fathers, and and this idea that our fathers know things that we don't. Fathers, I get it. It's difficult sometimes to lead, but let us let us get our inspiration from our heavenly father. Kids, if you're, if you're at home, would you just place your hands on your father? If you're here in the auditorium, place your hands on your father, and let's just pray. Jesus, today we pray for our fathers. I thank you so much for them. And I pray today that you would bless them in an incredible way. God, I'm asking that you would give them the strength they need. And I pray they would continue to lead from a big picture perspective, even when their kids don't understand it. I pray that they would continue to offer the, the, the appropriate discipline for each age, God, that, that guiding hand that nurtures toward war character. God, help them to do that. And help them, God, even when their kids don't understand it, help them to love in an incomprehensible way. Give them the strength and the wisdom they need. God, I thank you for all they've poured into our kids. And I pray that you would bless them now. Let them not only have a great day today, but would you bless this year and bless them. Give them all the resources and the desires of their heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.